0: Hello, and welcome to Launch Legends, the only podcast focused exclusively on the stories behind internet marketing's biggest and best launches. Each week, we sit down with an online marketing expert to tell the story of one of their launches, what went well, what didn't, and how much cash they made. And now, your host, Hamad Akbar. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Launch Legends. Today we speak with Elad of Fixer. Fixal recently got acquired in November 2020 after growing to hundreds of customers. Elad breaks down some of the SEO and Twitter hacks that helped him get lots of traction for his early stage startup. But before we go ahead, if you're listening to this on a podcast, please rate and review. If you're watching this on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Hey, thank you very much for coming on the show. So um, I know you guys just sold your company, FIXL, last month. So uh, congratulations. I know you guys, you you have hundreds of thousands of customers. Uh, You were doing very good revenue and uh, you were doing like hundreds of millions of session recordings every every month. So big deal. But I know you've been in marketing for a very long time and you've got some uh, hacks of your sleeves. Uh, we were talking about how you use the other hacks to, um, you know, for your for your startup to get traction. Uh, one of those being SEO. Um, where, as a startup, I know myself, um, we don't have enough budget, so with SEO, it takes a while for anything to run, But you did something differently. Let's talk about that first, and then I want to talk about the other hacks you've got with uh, with Twitter. But so let's talk about SEO first.
1: Sure, thanks. So it's, it's a pleasure to be to be here, first of all. Um, myself, I'm coming from an SEO background, so, so I knew that was one of the first things I'd want to be tackling when I'm starting to promote my startup. Uh, and the thing about SEO, it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of effort, and as you said, a lot of budget as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we figured we can't really rank for the keywords we want. We were up against giants. We were up against Critio, AdRoll, all these different platforms mm-hmm. that were playing the remarketing keywords. And we couldn't really stack up against them. Mm-hmm. But what we could do is really build you know, the infrastructure, build whatever is, is relevant on our website, have these keywords in place, have the technical kind of optimization done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the other hand, for the actual ranking, we decided to go for what I call a piggyback a SEO technique.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, what we did is identify these key places where we'd want to be ranking. So, for for example, take remarketing tools. Mm-hmm. Now, remarketing tools usually is, is a very high intent keyword that's people searching for a remarketing tool that they can use. And, and this is mm-hmm. very, uh, it's something we'd want to rank high for, but most probably couldn't. Uh, and when we've looked this up, we've seen that there's plenty of other tools that don't really relate necessarily to that, uh, that are ranking in the first pages and are talking about some tools. So you'd find their Raven tools, which is an SEO tool. You'd find their HubSpot, which is a CRM marketing automation. You'd find all these different other solutions. Uh, and most of the content for these specific pages or blog posts uh, was outdated right. and, and being the good Samaritan that we are. We offered and we reached out to these people and offered to to update this content. And the value for them is very clear: a more up to date page, would get better rankings and traffic. So they're they're benefiting from that in any case, and we're benefiting because we're scratching out you know irrelevant uh, competitors. We're putting our name in front of people, and and we're being equal to Credio, AdRoll, and Game, all these other giants, mm. and. We were able to land quite a few uh, results on first pages, drive some fantastic traffic directly to our website, drive our organic rankings up, because we were suddenly linked within the right context from fantastic websites. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the more or, or the most interesting part of it was we started the, we started seeing these articles being written about us and listing us as top remarketing tools. Because whoever was doing the research was too lazy and was looking at the first page and was seeing us listed across, you know, with other tools. So again, these organic new uh, articles came in, listing Fixel
0: <laughs> as oh. one of these top solutions. Okay, just like that. Got it. So let me let me break it down. So basically, what you did was uh, you reached out to people with based content and you just uh, offered to rewrite the content for them or update the content for them. Uh, because the, the content was really outdated. and then once you publish a new content, you get the new content that had Fixar as one of the tools or something of, related to Fixal in the content. That way, you were able to get a backlink from the from the from the page that was ranked with a particular keyword on the, on top, and then obviously some exposure of, the, of your brand as well. Is, is that right?
1: Exactly. So so we earned the exposure, we earned a backlink, we earned. Actual referral traffic, strong referral traffic with high intent that was driving back to our website. Right. And and again, this this spun some sort of flywheel because other people researching remarketing tools to write about remarketing tools listed Mm. Fixel in it as well.
0: Great. So I'm I'm actually going to go into specifics, um, but before uh, let's talk about that in numbers. How many backlinks were you able to get, and what kind of traffic were you able to generate over time?
1: Directly, we're talking about a few dozens. Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. uh, and, and again, this, this is manual labor. You have to research the specific keywords we want to be ranking for. We had to do plenty of outreach to be able to land each and every uh, content piece and then write it, you know,
0: yeah. to be
1: good enough to, to actually replace the original piece.
0: Yeah, right. And so how long was the whole campaign, the outreach campaign?
1: So, so it's an ongoing campaign. We we did this in several
0: bursts. Uh, each
1: time it would take, I, I believe, two to three months. Um, but overall, it, it brought us some fantastic, fantastic rewards.
0: Great. So, you know here's what I'm thinking. If someone emails me and tells me that, okay, your content is a bit outdated, um, let, let me let me fix it for you. I would only trust that person if they have some credibility or if I know them, if they have a brand which I trust. How how did you get people to actually agree to what you were telling them? Because look, straight away, someone tells me that, I'm thinking, okay, they're just doing that because they want a backlink from uh, from that particular page. How did you convince them? I would like to know that.
1: So so that's actually a key challenge. I I had that conversation earlier today with a friend of mine who was facing that same challenge. The... And myself, I get plenty of emails from from different agencies or you know independent consultants that are urging me to to share their blog posts or cross post or or whatnot. Yeah. Um, I, I really try to you know to 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 approach in, in a way that is a, a very you know candid, not not you know trying to to uh, hide anything, mm-hmm. um, but I, I do try to use you know. The, the mutual benefit here and say, hey, this is outdated. You can reach better ranking if your content was updated on this and this. Mm-hmm. Usually, I'd actually mention the tools that are you know obsolete there because you have a, a R2 data, which was sold off to whoever, and you have these guys, which are irrelevant and really point out to specific uh, problems within their articles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in some cases, I'd actually share a link to a... Brian Dean's uh, article yeah. about launching old content and, and what impact it drove for their website and, and this way they can actually realize the actual benefit of, of traffic that they can drive from it uh, and again it's a win-win ultimately
0: so it, it, so what's your conversion rate on that page? so for example if you post 100 people how many, how many deals did you sign well not deals how many uh, agreements did you have
1: so, so I must say a uh, that, that we were somewhere around the 60-70 the percent you know response rate oh, wow. uh, okay. ultimately being able to to engage to the extent of writing these pieces and, and getting these out there we were somewhere in the 20-30
0: percent oh wow that's that's really high that's really high so what are the seo hacks work like, for you for your startup um
1: so, so In terms of SEO, uh, one of the things that we do like uh, to to kind of do on our website, and this, I believe, ties back into stuff that you're doing, is plenty of repurposing. So, so for example, we have webinars, uh, and we do these kinds of uh, activities quite a bit. And every time we we have these activities, it it goes out as the webinar, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, But then we take it... Anywhere else. So that's any webinars are purposed into a blog post. It goes also into these kind of dissected pieces that go out on our social media. Yeah. And all of this spins, again, that kind of flywheel that drives this organic engagement. So it's really very, very important. And that, too, we're optimizing over time. So we had a webinar that was focused, for example, not even a webinar, an on-site event. Mm-hmm. It was focused about e-commerce, e-commerce mm-hmm. marketing, uh, and that. So we had speakers talk about Google Ads scripts. Mm-hmm. We had another one talk about the uh, enhanced e-commerce for analytics and, and all these different very, very specific mm-hmm. topics. Mm-hmm. And we've spun these off into a series of blog posts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and after we've gotten these blog posts out and we've seen that they're reaching rankings. We've also identified specific keywords that they were organically ranking for. So we re-optimized them again to gain or to boost them on top of these existing keywords. Uh, so we're even more targeted for them. Um, so so even if we even though we didn't you know, uh, provide that direction for the speakers in advance, we were able to use that in hindsight to really kind of micro-target specific keywords.
0: Great, great, great. So, you know, before before we move on to your Twitter hacks, uh, I'm actually quite keen to learn about those. <laughs> they're, quite, uh, they're quite good. I mean, I've been thinking for a while, how come not many people actually do multilingual SEO? Uh, I've done some keyword research recently on one of the products, and I realised that it's wide open. There's literally no competition. So when you are doing SEO and content marketing and um, English-speaking markets, there's always competition. But if you go... Any other language, for example, Portuguese, um, Brazil, there's no competition and the volume is huge. I know you can talk about uh, the language barrier being where you can't really provide support, but if you can somehow overcome that, it feels like it's a real blue ocean over there. What's your experience there? Or what, what do you think not people do multilingualism?
1: So I, I do think that as marketers, uh, we, we too often, you know, limit ourselves to English-speaking countries. Eh, and we, we have tested that around, specifically even Portuguese. We were doing campaigns for Brazil eh, just pre-COVID. I was supposed to fly out to Brazil in March, and, and luckily enough, that didn't happen.
0: Okay. <laughs> but, that wouldn't be too bad getting stuck in Brazil. Actually, no, it would go a bit crazy, but it uh, wouldn't bad with Brazil for a bit.
1: I'm not against Brazil. I, one of my favorite places, but but at the same time, there was a huge, you know, outburst of, of COVID in Sao Paulo at the yeah. time, so I, I wouldn't want to be there. Yeah. Um, but but we were seeing fantastic results working with a uh, translated content for uh, for these audiences, and it's not a huge leap to 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 make, in my opinion, yeah. uh, and it's about being able to really start the engagement with them and, and from that point onwards usually if, if your platform is simple enough but they can even you know work it in english they, they wouldn't need to to kind of uh, jump to, through too many hoops um so, so we've made the the translation to uh, portuguese to french uh, and we started playing around with these other languages uh, but But before we even go into translation, uh, there are certain countries that you can approach in English mm-hmm. uh, that it's far easier than you'd expect. Yeah. Uh, if you're talking to Swedes or Danes or even uh, Germans, their English is for the most, fantastic, Perfect. and it, it's hard to say something you know uh, about the entire German population. but, but generally speaking, uh, they can engage easily. In, in English-speaking product, uh, without any issues. So, so really, you need to think beyond the, the standard English-speaking countries uh, to drive more audiences rather easily.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm laughing uh, right now because um, there's a story I keep telling people. Uh, so, a couple years ago, we had a product, and we were investing a lot of money into SEO and content marketing and PPC and everything, and. Uh, English-speaking markets, and I would say at that time, 90% of our sales were coming from uh, all the English-speaking markets, and then just for nothing, we just started translating the site, and uh, we didn't really think much of it, we just started translating, and we kept growing, and um, we were growing at a pace where we, we were just hiring people, and we just didn't really care about what was working because everything worked at that time. And at the same time, we just kept investing into English, English English-speaking, you know, SEO and content marketing, everything, all our efforts were there. About 12 months later, um, we finally dug in and looked at the data properly. And we realized that at that particular time, 25% of our sales were coming from English-speaking markets and the 75%, the rest of 75% were were coming from all the non-English-speaking countries, for example, Brazil, even places like Korea, Germany, wherever we translated, the site just started to rank overnight, and it was just bringing us loads of traffic and uh, sales. Uh, but the funny thing is, we were still spending most of our budget, almost all our budget, on english speaker markets. But it's crazy. It's uh, it's still it's been a mystery where not many people do multilingual content marketing. And I would I would say that online marketers are probably one of the smartest people I've worked with and I've met. But for some reason, they can't think beyond. English. They don't
1: go multilingual. Yeah, and I think you know you're not always a conscience or aware of the data that's coming in and really looking into it. And there's plenty, plenty of anomalies that you you know you run into along the way. A recent anomaly, by the way, just a few weeks ago, we were seeing a huge surge in traffic coming in from South Africa. Right. Fantastic organic traffic, people are converting like crazy and signing up for our product, but none are converting to paid users. So we were looking and starting to to research into that. And then we finally realized, looking at Search Console data, that these people were searching for a brand of sneakers called Fixel. That was popular at the time in South Africa. They were running some TV ads or something, and we were ranking first for Fixel, and they had the same brand colors, black and yellow, like we did. Right. And people weren't even reading our messaging. You know, you're invested so much in your messaging and what people read about your product and and, you know positioning and whatnot, but but they were like, "Give me the sneakers, come on, I'm signing up, okay, whatever, give me the sneakers." Uh,
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. That's uh, that's funny. That's really funny, actually. Okay, let's, let's move on to your Twitter hacks. Let's talk about that. What did you do there?
1: <laughs> so, so coming into Fixel, I, I realized there was more to do about our marketing beyond you know, these standard performance marketing uh, tactics. And, and we did want to expand into things that are more, I'd say, promoting our, our brand, be that our personal brand uh, as the co-founders and kind of positioning ourselves as, the, I'd say, experts within our field, uh, analytics, uh, big data, uh, PPC, um, and the brand of Fixel itself. We wanted to make it something that people are aware of. Mm-hmm. And again, with was limited to, to no budget at the time. Mm-hmm. One of the key communities we were able to identify is a community of PPC experts that's located on Twitter. And they have their own hashtag PPC chat that they're tweeting regularly. And they have all these different conversations that are happening there. It's very active, specifically mm-hmm. in Northern America. Right. So, so we wanted to tap into that. Uh, And and one thing that we came across, we we were looking to to expand our tool into LinkedIn uh, and to be able to integrate Pixel into LinkedIn, we had to create some hack that would operate the the LinkedIn Pixel in a different way. that hack specifically opened up a new world of targeting for the LinkedIn pixel that we could offer to anyone freely. So we figured we would use that as kind of a a way to approach these PPC experts. Uh, So we looked up who the top involved people were on that thread of PPC chat and people that specifically were into LinkedIn ads. Uh, And we started sending out these uh, tweets with a meme of, of Morpheus, what if I told you? Uh, and, and what if I told you that LinkedIn ads targeting could be better? Okay. And really, this kind of playful engagement, we were able to, to talk to these people uh, and, and reach probably the most influential LinkedIn ads experts in the US. Okay. Uh, and expose them to Fixo, expose them to, to our solution to the LinkedIn ads uh, problem. And uh, and, and from that, kind of you know, get the conversation rolling, get fixed on the map, and, and also create some content around that uh, that was distributed. And again, backlinks, traffic, and, and all that, mm-hmm. uh, and at zero cost, without really spending a dime.
0: Great. So, l- 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 let me ask you this. So how, did you first, how were you able to first identify those uh, people at scale? I- of course you could do that manually
1: but nowadays I'm using tools such as SparkToro to, uh-huh. to do so and you're really able to, to zero in on very micro kind of audiences there. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time we were using tools such as uh, Communit uh, which was able to expose these again different uh, micro-influencer communities and, and who is talking about a specific topic and mm-hmm. uh, Another thing was simply researching on Google. Uh, one of our key, I'd say, resources for that was looking at PPC Heroes, top 15 influential uh, PPC experts. Go it. So, so uh, extracting that group, seeing who they're interacting with and, and kind of building that map of uh, people we want to be talking to. Great. Uh,
0: you just mentioned Smart So I had, had Ram Fishkin uh, talk to me a couple of months ago. He came on the show. Great guy. Um, as a product, I've used it. I actually love it. How's that
1: working working for you? It's a, it's a very neat product. Uh, I've also been uh, lucky to interview him uh, early on. We had a, a small podcast at the beginning of the COVID. I think everyone had. Oh. Uh, so, so he's ma- an amazing guy. And as an SEO, you know, I, I grew on his uh, guide to people to SEO. Uh, so yeah, I've him quite a bit.
0: Great, great, great. So. Let's talk about the other hacks
1: that worked really well for you, the Twitter bot one. So, so Twitter bot. Twitter bot is a very interesting one. Uh, once we realized how much power there is in the Twitter SEO, uh, in the Twitter PPC community, yeah. we figured we'd want to be more involved in it. Uh, but at the same time, we couldn't sit around you know, all day on Twitter. We, we weren't really that kind of Twitter buffs. Uh, so so we wanted to automate this to, to, some, to some extent. Uh, and then I came across a, a, a research tool by a friend of mine, Rory Provarcik, uh, that he said that whenever he wants to, to identify what people are talking about and, and kind of identify the, the tone of voice about things, he goes into Twitter and has these different kind of search operators that he can use, similar to, to ones he would use in Google search. Right. Uh, so I figured, okay, we can take these search operators and, and try and use them for a different use. Okay. Uh, so I plugged in a, a remarketing and retargeting, which are the key topics we'd want to be tapping into. Yeah. Uh, I put in also a, the the search the the qu- question mark just to see if anyone's asking actively a question about that, yeah. and excluded anything that had a linked. In it, so so it wouldn't be anyone who's you know promoting content about remarketing, but rather asking the question about remarketing. Uh, I've used a tool called Integromat mm-hmm.
0: to go Sorry, into Twitter. Tell that? Uh, you say Integromat that? Integromat.
1: Okay, got it. It's a Zapier killer, and uh, wow. so once a day, it goes into Twitter, polls and and see whatever it posts have been posted about that the keywords, uh, and returns us a list of these people. Uh, we also pulled it with a number of followers, so we can then, you know, uh, <laughs> try and prioritize who we're going to be answering. Right. Uh, but the answers themselves were manually written. We, we came in to each and every tweet and, and posted you know, a, a, an answer about that and didn't necessarily, you know, reference Pixel, because it wasn't always the case that Pixel was the answer to, to every question, and I think it would be abusive to do yeah. so. Um, and that drove that organic, you know, uh, authentic conversation, yeah. uh, which again, semi-manual, semi-automated, but, but really was able to drive that at scale.
0: Right. So how many, how many of those questions uh, on marketing or remarketing were you getting every day? And how many answers were you giving? That seems like- so usually we'd see a handful come in every day.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'd select, I believe, uh, one or two and have that uh, going, yeah.
0: Right, right, right. I mean, that would be, be great if you could do that in Facebook groups or maybe LinkedIn as well. I think that would be gold. Cool. So, so definitely, yes, uh, Facebook
1: groups, and, and we, we've checked that, uh, are more restrictive on the way that you can automate these kind of scans. Uh-huh. Uh, so you have to be on top of it. Yeah. Uh, I am a firm believer that you, you have to be in Facebook groups to engage with your audiences. Uh, we're looking at PPC experts in the econ field. There's plenty of groups out there, and it's one of the key places we need to be active on, yeah.
0: Right. Okay. Great. So, one last question. So, um, you know the pain with the startups the getting traction, getting eyeballs for your product—is uh, probably one of the hardest things. Um, you've given us uh, three, three or four different things we could work on. But if someone's listening to this, what's the one thing they should focus on in terms of you know driving traffic and eyeballs to their product? Uh,
1: I think the key thing would be less is more. So, so whether you're working, you know, on content for your blog, yeah, or you're working on your a social media, a whatever it is that you're doing, less is more. Try to be focused. Try to drive long-form content that is bringing true, true value. There, there's plenty of, of startups I've been involved with or even larger companies that have been blogging like crazy and writing thin content or mm-hmm. kind of marketing fluff that is irrelevant to, to anyone. Yeah. Uh, and that isn't really going to get you Anywhere, so if you are writing something, double down. See what the top results in Google are, and, and really try to write longer, write you know more detailed, go into more use cases. If they're uh, not using a video, put up a video. Using infographic, even if in twenty twenty it's very relevant, not you know some generic uh, Shutterstock images, and, and really put your heart and sweat into it, because um, that's what what makes a
0: difference. And, and when we're writing, oh, yeah. I think that's probably the best advice you can give anyone. Uh, a lot of these marketing strategies and tactics all work but if you try to do all, each, each one of them nothing's going to work for you because you're you're, never
1: gonna... you're spreading too thin there's so much you can do and, and you really got to understand that and, and embrace that and then double down on what you can.
0: Exactly. And, uh, thank you very much and uh, I hope I can uh, speak to you very soon thank you for the, all, the, all the hacks and tips and papers. us thank you very much. Cheers. That's it for this episode of Launch Legends. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and share more online marketing launch stories, please search for Launch Legends and your favorite podcast listening app, and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time.